0: So, I want to talk to you a little bit about your birthright. In uh, Genesis 25, beginning in verse 29, it says Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. And therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die, so what is the birthright to me? Have you ever been so hungry you thought you were going to die? Well, Esau was. He thought he was going to die. He was, he was overwhelmed by his appetite. Sometimes when you're going through your journey of life, There's going to come a conflict with what God has assigned for your life and your appetite. And I'm not just talking about your appetite for food. I'm talking about your appetite to get ahead in the world, to have this that your friends have, to go after this that your friends are going after, to make a mark, to to make a difference, to be somebody, and and to uh, invest into something that's temporal instead of putting your focus on what's eternal. So Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, rose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau had a problem valuing his birthright. He didn't realize it was the most precious thing that he had. His birthright was the key to his destiny. And in a moment of hunger, his appetite was more important to him than his birthright. Jacob understood the value of birthright. He had discernment and values that enabled him to see the dots connecting to the Father's blessing. So the critical moment for Jacob was not this one. It was when his values aligned with his destiny that came first. If he would not have already have had his values in the right place, there is no way that he would have went after the birthright and placed the value on it that he needed to. Every one of you has a birthright. Every one of you has a calling of God on your life. Every one of you has a destiny to live into. Every one of you has a difference to make. Every one of you has an aspect of this world that God's called you to change. Every one of you has something that God has called you to carry that's going to give you significance, but not so that you can be lifted up and exalted, but so the kingdom of God can be advanced and you'll have made a difference, and the world will be different because you were here, and your grandchildren will have a foundation to build on because you laid down your life to serve something greater than you. And if your values do not align with your destiny, you'll sell out on the way to your destiny in a weak moment. Many in church today have sold the birthright already. They've sold out for money. They've sold out for reputation. They've sold out for elevation in the eyes of people. They've sold out for a big platform or a big name. None of that is the key to your destiny. Although the Lord may bring you through some of those places on the way to your destiny... But if you start serving those things, you're going to sell out your destiny. There were numerous times in my journey when I was sorely tempted to pursue what I saw people pursuing around me. And I would hear the Lord say to me, are you going to sell your birthright for a bowl of soup? I said, no, Lord, I'm not. It'll, it'll cost you something to stay on track for your destiny. So to, to people who've sold out, being a Christian means allowing the enemy to have what he wants. Roll over and turn the other cheek to Satan when he demands your birthright. After all, Jesus said turn the other cheek, right? Well, there's there's an enemy that I'll never turn my cheek to, knowingly. And that's the one who's after my eternal destiny. That's the one who's after my identity. That's the one who wants to hinder me and cripple me from being able to do what God created me for, what he assigned me to. There's some things that you need to be willing to say no to. Paul said, everything's lawful for me, but everything's not expedient. So Paul understood when he said that That in the kingdom, actually, everything's legal. You have complete freedom. You can do what you want to do. But Paul understood there were some things that were going to be stumbling blocks on the way to his destiny and would hinder him from being able to fulfill the assignment of God in his life. So he chose to say no to those things. Those who have the heart of Jacob have a sense of what the real cost would be. Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the waters. Then it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now, we're not talking about a literal mountain to climb, although you may have a mountain you want to climb, and if so, go for it. But we're talking about a mountain, a, a uh, metaphorical mountain that we climb in our journey into the presence of God, into the kingdom of God, into the destiny that God has for every one of us, where we learn to live, to ascend above all the limitations of earth and live our life in the presence of God. Or who may stand in his holy place? There's a holy place that God's called his people to stand in. Who may stand there? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. They're not serving anything else. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob. Jacob. The generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah. This is Jacob. The ones who have set their heart on something higher, who have fixed their mind on something eternal, and they're not willing to sell it out or to compromise for anything of this world. Yeah. What am I saying? You have to live in poverty? No. Not saying that at all. What I'm saying is. Your priority has to be first his kingdom, and first what God created you for. First the destiny that he has for you. There's tons of really good things that you could do with your life. Good is the enemy of God. Let me explain. There's a lot of good causes that you could give yourself to that would be really productive and and make a difference in some people's lives, but are not connected to who God created you to be and where he created you to be at your best. That's why I say good is the enemy of God. Because there's so many good things you could give yourself to, but they would not allow you to come fully alive because of who God created you to be. Part of, the, part of the object of the school, actually, is to help uncover what that is. What is your destiny? Who are you really? Who did God create you to be? What makes you come fully alive? You know, Ray Hughes taught us when he was here. By the way, keep praying for Ray. He's still going through a battle. Uh, with his health. But Ray Hughes taught us when he was here that there is a frequency that causes every material to begin to vibrate and to move and to come alive. You know know the the wine glass breaking when the opera singer hits a high note? It's not because of the height of the note. It's because of the frequency that she hits that causes glass to move. There's a frequency that causes your heart to move and begin to come alive. And only through prophetic activation are you really going to hit that frequency. Because that's what prophecy at its finest does, is causes the deepest places in you to come alive. Cause you to become animated and become who God created you to be. And become powerful the way that he called you to be cause you to become productive and fruitful for his kingdom. You can't do it by copying somebody else. Somebody else may be right in their groove and, and hitting their frequency. You try to copy them and all you'll be is a counterfeit. God didn't make any counterfeits. He only made originals. Every one of you are called to be a unique expression of who he is in a way that nobody else can So Jacob represents those who seek after the Lord and recognize that seeking the favor and blessing of the Lord is not something selfish. It's not. Jacob went about it all the wrong ways. You know, cheated his brother out of his birthright. Cheated him out of the blessing. But you know what? Scripture says God hated Esau, not because God goes around hating people, but he hated what Esau represents those who do not value what God values. And he loved Jacob. Not because Jacob did it all the right way, but because Jacob was after the right thing. He wanted more than anything else, the blessing, the favor of God in his life. Recognizing the rightful place of the firstborn is not self-promotion but it's essential for the, for the Father's kingdom to be established. There's a blessing God's called you to carry. There's a presence that He's called you to release that nobody else can do quite the same way. We cannot fulfill our assignment if we don't occupy the place of favor and blessing. You can't do it. You can't fulfill God's purpose from afar. So Isaac, apparently being ignorant of Esau selling his birthright to Jacob, goes on to tell Esau to fix him his favorite venison dish so he can bless him before he dies. There's a blessing on that venison dish, by the way, I'm just kidding. There can be. Um, so Isaac's getting older, and he says, Esau, you know, before I die, I want to bless you. Because Esau was his favorite. And so he says, go out and, and, uh, and kill uh, a deer. And uh, make me that venison dish that I love so I can bless you before I die. So Rebecca overhears it, and she tells Jacob about it. Because Jacob was her favorite. So she fixes a dish for Isaac, covers Jacob's arms with goat skin to simulate Esau's hairy arms, and also the smell. You know, I don't know if you've ever been around a goat, but a goat has a certain aroma to him. (laughs) And sent Jacob in to impersonate Esau so he can get the blessing of the firstborn. Sounds like a plan, right? So Jacob goes in and says, Rise, Father. Eat so you can bless me. Isaac says, Who's this? He said, I'm Esau. He said, Well, it sounds like Jacob. In verse uh, verse 25 of Genesis 26, he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And then, the father, then his father Isaac said to him, Come near me now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and he blessed him and said. He, want, he wanted him to come close so he could smell him. See, does this smell like Esau does it smell like Jacob? And I guess the goat made him smell more like Esau. Some of you that spend a lot of time out in the woods, you understand that. So he said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So Isaac blesses Jacob with the preeminence that was reserved for the firstborn. In Hebrew culture, the firstborn got to be the patriarch of the next generation, they became the family leader. Because of that, they got more of the inheritance because it would require more provision to lead the family and to fulfill those responsibilities. So Jacob would become the patriarch. He would receive a greater portion, as I said. Uh, He would carry greater burdens, and more authority would be given to him to deal with those burdens. In Christ, you've received the birthright of the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He's the firstborn of all those who come to him. He's got a specific, unique destiny and assignment for every one of you that have come to him. Something that he's called you to fulfill, something he's called you to carry, something only you can do. There's a people that he's called you to, uh, to represent him to. There's an assignment he's called you to fulfill. Now, I'd like, what I'd like you to do is just think about the dreams of your heart. I want to ask you who you think put those dreams there. I remember back about 2014, I think it was, I was down 500 miles downriver from Iquitos on the Amazon River doing a conference, pastors' leaders' conference, two days. And after it was over, I went uh, an hour and a half back into the Amazon jungle by boat. There's boats, there's rivers and waterways all over through that, at the Amazon rainforest. We go an hour and a half back into things and into a place called Bufeo Cocha, which means Dolphin Lake. And when we got there, there was a lot of excitement because uh, the Americans were here. Me and, and the, my friend who went with me were there, and uh, everyone came. They packed out this church house that was on stilts with a wooden floor, they packed the place out, they let the school out, the teachers all came, the students all came, the mayor came. It was a big deal that the Americans had come to their village. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden I had a flashback. And I remembered that I had dreamed about this time when I was a kid. I would, I would, I remembered reading storybooks when I was a kid and I'd see the pictures of, of children In tropical places and I would dream about being able to go and visit them and here I was living my dream I'm like oh my goodness this is exactly what I dreamed of doing when I was a kid God put those dreams in my heart there's dreams that he's put in your heart and if you've put them on the shelf and said well those must have just been a childish fantasy or whatever You need to understand God hardwires dreams in your heart that he's asking you to pursue in the context of a relationship to him. There's things that will cause you to come alive in a way that nothing else ever has. And it's in the context of a relationship with him, his destiny for your life. And so I shared the story of Joseph that day with the children told him about a boy named Joseph who dreamed. And because he followed God's plan for his life, he was able to live into the dreams that he had as a boy. You've been made his heir. You're entitled to his inheritance. You need that inheritance if you hope to fulfill your assignment. It's not greed that wants the inheritance that the Father has for you. That's not greed. What it is, is you recognizing that you need your inheritance if you're to fulfill your assignment. If you're to carry what he's created you to carry, if you're to leave a foundation for generations after you to build on, you need that inheritance because your inheritance comes from him. You have been made an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So his inheritance is yours. It doesn't mean that you have more stuff to be blessed with. It means you're equipped with heaven's resources so that you can do all that you're called to and leave a significant deposit of heaven on earth after you. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, I think is a very fitting scripture today. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? In fact, it may be uh, speaking specifically to our day. I don't know, but it sure fits. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. There is a diabolical plot To gain lordship over the peoples of the earth and to control them and to make them subjects and to take away their freedoms. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Every once in a while we just need to laugh with the Lord, right? The Lord shall hold them in derision, then he shall speak to them in his wrath. And distress them in his deep displeasure, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now if you follow those dots to the book of Acts, it tells you when that day was. And it was the day that Jesus raised from the dead. This is my son today I have begotten Jesus. The day that he was born of the tomb is the day that he came out of the womb into a new life. A new race came into being that had never existed before. It's the race of Christ. And he became the firstborn of many brethren. And every one of us who have been born again into his kingdom are born into that race. And we get to be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We get to share in his inheritance. And there's a specific aspect of his inheritance that has your name on it that nobody else can carry, that nobody else can, can uh, do with what God has equipped you to do with it. It has to do with who he created you to be. And then he says to Jesus, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. What is Jesus' inheritance? It's Nations. What is, what is your inheritance? What do you get to inherit with him? Nations. Nations, in, in, uh, if you look it up in the Greek of the New Testament, the Greek word is ethnos. It's the tribes of the earth. There's a tribe that has your name on it. There's a tribe that you're called to impact in a way that nobody else can. Maybe you know who that tribe is, maybe not. I, I, I know this. Back about, I, I didn't know. I had that dream when I was a kid. Um, but back about 1990, prophet had this vision over me. He said, I see you ministering to Peruvian tribal people. I'm like, really? That's weird. So about 18 years later, I finally found my way to Peru. Somebody bought my ticket, and I'm like, OK, sounds like God to me. Let's go. <laughs> and from the first time I, I landed there, it felt like God had something for me there. And God gave me favor with the people there. And it just increased. And I just I didn't have any great plan. I didn't, didn't know there was some grand strategy that God had for me there, but the more I go, the more I recognize there's something there that God has given me authority and dominion and favor in that I can't deny. Yeah. And it keeps multiplying every time I go. I've never sought for it. I've never gone after it. It just happens. And so this time when I go, planning to go in January, um, I'm going to a place I've not been before. It's, it's a jungle city called Britannia. And uh, it's about 10 hours, I think, on a fast boat from the Iquitos where we go. And uh, there's a guy there named, they're named uh, Pastor Jose. He's Peruvian, but he speaks fluent English. And, uh, and the Lord told him uh, to build a school, a ministry school where people will be taught how to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I don't know how to do that. The Lord said, I'm, I'll send someone who will. And so he started building the school. And so last March, when Papa Steve and I were down, this guy just happened <laughs> to come into our meeting where Papa Steve was teaching at the Bible School, and I was over next door in the lecture hall talking to pastors and leaders. And I see this guy walking in, and he sits there. and After the meeting, he comes up to me and says, I'm so happy to meet you. You're the ones that God sent to help me with my school. You just, I mean, that's, what's the chances of that happening, right? That's a, quite a coincidence, right? Actually we don't we don't believe in coincidences anymore. Yeah. That was a divine appointment and we've been in contact ever since. And when I go to Peru this time in January, he's planning to meet me in Iquitos, and we're gonna to go to Britannia, look at his school, and plan how we're going to help him uh, train the people that are coming to that are going to be coming to the school. Yeah. That's a whole other door that's opening up. There's another whole door that we haven't even had time to look at yet seriously and that's down in the the three frontiers area where we've been invited to go down and help uh plant churches and develop uh for the kingdom the three frontiers area is where peru and colombia and brazil come together the uh, uh colombian city of leticia the the brazilian city of tabatinga and and the Peruvian city of Santa Rosa all come together there in one corner. And uh, we've been invited to go down and help develop that area. They're hungry for the gospel, hungry for the gospel. And, and, uh, And Brother David Pepper said, if you would go, if you would go and spearhead something there, we'll back you up. We'll do whatever you ask us to do that we can do to help you. And so that's in our hearts also is to go and and see what God wants to do down that area. I've been there, but I've never traveled around that area much. Um, That's 600 miles downriver from Iquitos on the Amazon. And uh, so there's all kinds of open doors and possibilities. And I know that some of you really have a heart to help develop some of those places. Uh, But this is part of our... Uh, next season, I believe, that God has been preparing us for is to, is to expand our missions outreach and to take young warriors, young and middle-aged warriors, uh, from this place uh, down to some of these places and, and let you see what God does when we go. We've seen some of the most incredible uh, demonstrations of the kingdom in Peru that we've ever seen anywhere. Is that right, St- Steve? Uh, some of the most phenomenal stuff. Uh, I've met two governors there. I wasn't planning to meet any of them. It just happened. God just set those things up. Uh, The first governor, we prayed for uh, half of his staff that was with him, and and they all got healed on the spot. Every one of them they got prayed for. It, It was just phenomenal, the things that we have seen God do as he's breaking into that place with the kingdom. And he's looking for sons and daughters. Anyway, that's, all of you aren't called to Peru. Some of you are called other places. Some of you are called to invade this community where we live with the kingdom. But God wants to make all of us more effective and allow the dreams of our hearts to begin to come alive in a brand new way. Amen? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. That's speaking of a kiss as an expression of family affection. A kiss, embrace. kiss is how they would greet family. We're to embrace the son as our family, as our brother, as our tribe as our, uh, the firstborn of our tribe. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Today, I, I feel like I'm doing a, a bit of an addendum to Amanda's word from last Sunday when she started talking about taking up our sword and becoming the warriors that he's called us to be. Some of us have kind of had the idea, well, God's called us to be lovers, not warriors. Well, he's called you to be both. Yeah. Amen? And, and there's something that we need to be willing to fight for. Yeah. There's something that we need to be willing to pay a price for, something we need to be willing to give our life for. Yeah. Listen, when you see the world around us Uh, the expression would be going to hell in a handbasket. When you see the, the, uh, the, 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 it looks like the complete lack of values in the younger generation out there today, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for something they can give their life for. They're looking for something they can believe in that will cost them something instead of uh, what the world wants to do is give them everything for free and entice them. That's not going to satisfy. It's something that you can believe in, something you can give your life for uh, that's bigger than you, that will make an eternal difference. That's what people are hungry for. Today I want us to stand and I want to know how many of you are ready to make a commitment and say, Lord, I will not sell out my birthright for anything. I don't care what it costs me. For me to press into what you created me for, the high calling of God in my life, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care uh, the, what I have to give up. And let, and let me throw this in. 2020 left its mark on some of us. I know because I was one of them. I'm still a one of them. There were, some, there were some things that 2020 cost me that I had to let go of. There was some forgiving that I had to do. There was some forgiveness that I needed to ask for. I'm like, Lord, whatever it is, I wanna clear it up and get it out of, so that it's not a roadblock in my path into the next season of my life. I'm willing to do what you tell me to do, so that I can enter into what you're calling me to, what you've been preparing me for. So, if you're willing to say, Lord, no matter what it takes, I'm willing to forgive who I need to forgive. I'm willing to ask for forgiveness from anyone I need to ask for, whatever you tell me to do, I'm willing to pay that price to begin to move forward into what you created me for. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. We're going to pray. Jesus Jesus Just hold your hands out in front of you. Jesus here we here I am. At the end of a painful year. An uncomfortable year, but an awesome year. Right now, Lord, I want you to take the baggage from me that I accumulated during this last year. I'm willing to let go of offenses, Disappointments, relationships that have served their purpose and that can't go into the new season with me. I'm willing to forgive those I need to forgive, I'm willing to ask forgiveness where I've caused offenses. Spirit, would you speak to me, and would you guide me so that every roadblock can be removed from my path? Where there's been division in our families, Jesus, I'm willing to do what it takes to deal with offenses and to release forgiveness. Thank you Jesus. Lord, I repent for areas where I've been passive. Where I need to become a warrior where I need to be willing to fight for my destiny. And I'm willing to repent for those areas where I have fought and hurt unnecessarily instead of love. And Lord, I ask that you show me my birthright, my place at your table. Show me what I need to begin to prepare for and how I need to begin to prepare. And I'm making a commitment to you today, Jesus that I will never sell my birthright for a bowl of soup or anything else as you give me grace. I will go anywhere you send me. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I ask that you go with me and you provide the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of us some of us are, are in a time of transition. Amanda had this dream about her being in a hallway, and that's where a lot of us are. We're in a hallway. We're between one place and another. And the hallway can be a messy place. It can be a, a place where it's hard to find a lot of comfort. How many of you are in a hallway right now? are in a time of transition from one place to another. And uh, so, Father, for all of those who are in transition, I ask that you help us to recognize where we are and the grace that's on us to make this transition with patience, with faith, and with hope. Father, for everyone who's been struggling to find hope, I just release hope right now in Jesus' name. And I say to you, the light at the end of the hallway is not a train. It's the light of Jesus leading you to a new day. Thank you, Jesus, for hope. Thank you for hope. Just release, let, let there be hope as we transition from this year to the next one. Let there be hope that all that we've come through in this year is actually leading us to a place of greater fruitfulness than we've ever known before. We thank you for that, Jesus. Amen.